Well, hello there, Marketing Sweats friends. Following along with our theme of looking back to look forward, I'm excited to introduce you today to Tracy O'Brien, CMO of Turner Mining Group. I found Tracy and her company, Turner Mining, because I've been following heavy industry marketers that are looking to stand out. And Turner Mining seems to be doing just that. Founded in 2017, Turner Mining is just three years old, and they're proud of the fact that they're changing the game in what tends to be a pretty historic tried and true industry. As you all know, Symantle has built our company on finding innovative, brave, competitive historic organizations looking to inspirationally make a change. So naturally, my heart was drawn to this company as I found their brand finding me. I started my career in mining, so naturally I have a passion for the industry, equipment, and issues these marketers face. And what I found as I got to know Tracy is that she and I seem to have a lot in common. With roots in branding, she's now fully immersed in all things digital media, even referencing the idea of one-to-one marketing in a traditional sales and relationship business. Interestingly, Tracy jumped from a career at Breckenridge Ski Resort to take on the rugged, dirt-moving industry that is mining. So when I asked her why she made the leap, she was clear. The focus on people and making the world a better place. That was a vision she could get behind. No doubt, if you're in mining or really any heavy industry, you'll relate to Tracy and the complex issues she's facing as she's changing the game in B2B sales and marketing alignment. Have a listen. Well, Tracy, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I have been actually stalking your company for some time now because I think you guys are doing just such an amazing job with marketing in a heavy industry space. I actually came up in mining. That was my first job out of college. I worked at Caterpillar Global Mining. And so I just have a passion for the industry and the equipment and the size of everything. So I'm super excited to hear your story and how you got involved. Tell me a little bit about you and maybe your professional and personal background. Sure. Yeah. So I've been in marketing my entire career. Unlike you, I did not start my career in kind of the heavy equipment mining or construction industry. So I started out in agriculture, actually. Okay. That's where my career started. And then I decided to go back to business school after working a handful of years and transitioned through a couple of different marketing roles. The first one being brand consulting. So I would say that's still very heavily where my passion lies is how do you look at these unique brands depending on what industry they're in? So when I worked at this consultancy, we'd work across healthcare, financial services, any sort of professional services, you name it, we would consult for them. So to think of how you find a unique space for any brand within their industry is where I really got that my passion and my love lies in marketing. I went on then to work for Breckenridge Ski Resort for two years. Oh, cool. Where I ran marketing there, which was awesome to blend kind of the passion for marketing with this awesome brand that is actually pretty well known if you right here or follow the ski industry. And then the opportunity to join Turner Mining Group came from actually one of my business school colleagues, who's one of the business partners. Okay. We had reached out and said, you know, we need someone who's going to come run marketing here. We have nothing. We've got social media going for us, which is great. But we'd like to put in place a formal marketing program to really kind of help the company take off. At the time, Turner Mining Group was about two and a half years old and had established this growth goal of How do we take our company and double it and maybe quadruple it in the next five years? So I was like, this is an amazing opportunity. Sure. And then if you kind of back up to the idea of how do you craft this unique brand in any space, Turner was ripe for that. I mean, Keaton and the leadership team had done a great job at 
defining what they wanted the brand to mean and actually had put an incredible purpose in place, which I think you wanted to talk a little bit about later. But this idea that we exist to make the mining industry a better place is incredible, right? So as a marketer, it's your dream to have a platform like that to work from. So I joined Turner about a year ago, and it's been fast-paced ever since. So that's kind of my story. Cool. Well, we're going to dig into all things Turner Mining, but tell me something personal about you to help me understand what was it about? Was there a few moments in your life that made you love marketing or to choose this career path? Was there something special about your background that really turned you on to this industry? That's a good question. I would say the challenge of this industry is what attracted me. So it's not an obvious industry to market for. And I think B2B is more challenging than B2C. So I always give B2B marketers more credit and and did before I moved into B2B. But the idea that you are taking this brand, Turner Mining Group in specific, working against an industry that doesn't really market, like to sure. the point of, like I said, a, a B2C organization, and then create a reputation for this brand from mm-hmm. nothing. So the challenge of that is kind of to answer your question of how I personally got into it. I'm just a challenge seeker. If I'm not (laughs) challenged, if I don't feel like there's a risk of failure, it doesn't really appetize me. My personal passions lie in things like running 100 mile races, mountain biking 100 mile races, this idea of like, how big can you go? So this was definitely one of those things. I was like, this could go really wrong or this could go really right. And so it it was a good opportunity for me personally. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. That gives me a lot of perspective about you, especially in this big industry. I'm the same way. And I think to be a B2B marketer in this heavy industry space, you kind of have to love that because you're right. Yeah. It is a, an old school relationship business that you're trying to elevate to a different level. And it's very clear to me that you guys have done that, which is why I asked you to be on the show. Awesome. So tell our audience a little bit more about Turner Mining in terms of the business model. When you go to your website, it talks about being a contract mining company, which is sort of a, a new model. But what's unique about you guys is you're sort of nationwide. You have mobilized feet on the ground anywhere and really have a variety of services in the mining and reclamation space. So talk a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, that was a great lead in in terms of contract mining. We provide contract mining services and related services around the country at this point. I think there's hopes and potential to go international eventually. But A few different things with Turner that I think makes the contract model a little bit different and it allows us not just to serve a regional area is the first one being people. So we hire people from all over. Our guys might live in California and travel to Kentucky or et cetera. So we're able to staff up where our clients need us to staff up and quite quickly. So that models or that part of the model has been something we talk about a lot and has been to our advantage. As a little detour, if you think about COVID, our ability to staff a plant in a time where a client's entire team might come down sick or someone or they need to quarantine for some reason, we're able to staff up and, and help them do that. So the people component is a big one. The equipment component is another big one. We blend between renting, leasing, and owning and tie our equipment structure to the contract. So that allows us to have a little bit more flexibility and to implement a little bit more strategy than just, hey, we own this fleet of equipment, we can do what we can with it. So that piece of it is big. 
And then just also this ability to create kind of national service packages. That's something I think we're finding and I'm finding as a marketer, how do I talk about that to some of these bigger companies that do operate on a more regional basis from a leadership structure of how do you see the economies of scale and how do you see kind of the the different value that can be brought by having a national service contract that would cover your needs across mining. Sure. So that's that's how we differ. And I would say those are the components that kind of enable that. So your customers are mining companies, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so you're subcontracting those services, it sounds Absolutely. like. Okay. Excellent. So I had heard about the people piece and the equipment piece, and I thought that that was fascinating that you guys are so focused on the efficiency of your business model for your customers. But tell me more about the national service package. What does that look like? Is that for companies that span multiple states and regions that you can offer them something across the board? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So this is where I think we have the opportunity to help clients recognize this of can we be utilizing crews, knowledge, equipment across maybe a particular region to help that, but then also using that experience within the company to say, hey, do we have multiple crews running at one time across your multiple locations in the US? And you have one vendor, one kind of purview. And if we see opportunities to optimize and help you drive more profit, we can help do that. Well, listeners of our show know that we have a very close relationship with Caterpillar being located in Peoria, Illinois. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Cat. I imagine you have extensive relationship with the dealer network, maybe the rental stores. Would love to hear more about your partnership there. Yeah. So Cat has been great to us. I would say that our company is pretty agnostic when it comes to the type of equipment, but is very invested in the dealer relationships. And Caterpillar is amazing in terms of dealer relationships to us. So, you know, we wouldn't use CAT if they didn't provide that service and provide that partnership. And they do. We have actually quite a few relationships that stretch beyond the typical dealer relationship in terms of how do we bounce around ideas about continuing to make the industry better. And that's where I think the attraction really is for us. Someone like a Carter CAT machinery, we have a very close relationship with. On the other side of things, I think Kat realizes that there's potential to create content. So we actually are just launching this week, and I'm probably spoiling it depending on when it comes out, but (laughs) Kat did a collaboration with us and captured a whole bunch of content on our company. And I thought the way that we work together, their interest and obviously our interest in partnering to see how do we showcase kind of the in obvious parts of mining and the in obvious parts of our company and how people really are the lifeblood versus just kind of the work and the equipment. Right. So I appreciated that partnership with them too. Can't wait to see that. I was actually just on the phone yesterday with Carter Machinery. So we're in the same circles for sure. Tell us more about your services. So for somebody who's maybe not familiar with the mining industry, talk about the differences between a green site startup, overburden removal, crushing and screening, drill and blast. You span all the things and actually have to access all types of different equipment. And so I I guess I'd ask, where's your focus area? Where do you spend the most time as a company and where are you looking to grow? That's a good question because the focus really has been in providing kind of a turnkey package. So I wouldn't say that we focus in any particular area. Right now, I would say we're probably most heavy in overburden removal, contract mining, and reclamation. Okay. But there's obviously several parts of the mining process and even the ancillary projects that might feel smaller to a client or they just want to subcontract out. So we can really do the totality of that to support their production. So while we're focused on obviously how do we kind of hone and optimize the services we provide, what the message and kind of hope for us is 
establishing these partnerships where we really can do the totality of their mining services. Oh, that's awesome. So what do those look like? So you have partnerships locally all over the country? Yeah, all over the country. So currently, I think we're working in about 15 different states. Usually contracts for us do start with something like overburden removal or contract mining, and then can extend into other areas. Like I had mentioned earlier, even plant staffing, should that be something that the client needs? The great thing that I think we have going for us and is definitely an accolade to our teams in the field is usually when a client starts working with us, they continue. So we've had repeat business since the beginning of the relationship, which has helped our growth quite a bit. But to say, yes, we can start and provide you this high quality service. And then, by the way, we can help you with several other things has been kind of our approach. Yeah, organic development to business is obviously huge. What do you attribute that to? Is it the relationship? Is it the service? Or is it the efficiency or all of the above? Yeah, all of the above. I think obviously starts with the relationship. But then I would say the professional delivery of our services and those interactions in the relationship is something that sets us apart. From a client testimonial perspective, I always hear about the people and the relationship and how they showed up. And I think that's an incredible kind of differentiator. It's the kind of the above and beyond that would give you the relationship that you'd want to work with someone for the next 10 or 15 years. Well, it's so clear, even in your social media posts, that you do focus on people. And one of the things that I read about in the material you sent me is that you focus on bringing young people into the industry and maybe pairing them with somebody with more experience. So talk about why that's been such a successful strategy for you. And I'm sure there's challenges that come with that, too, in terms of training and knowledge. How are you guys navigating all of that? I think you're spot on with the image that we put into market is about kind of bringing up and generating the next phase of leaders. Keaton really believed that there was an opportunity to bring young folks into this industry and continue to grow them, right? And as you imagine, the average age of the miner is somewhere around 53, I think. Our average age in our company is around 27 to 29. It fluctuates a little bit, but giving this opportunity to these guys to get into the industry with a company that demonstrates kind of concern for their well-being too. Right? That's not always common in the mining space, but how do we train you, pair you with a veteran miner, someone who has tons of experience to become a leader early? So you don't have to wait until you're 45 to be a project manager. And so really it's about having the guys who have talent move up quickly. And just even in my year here, it's been so amazing to see some of these guys who started as operators and have been pushing and pushing and are now assistant project managers or project managers to know that we can kind of be the ones creating that wave and having the impact on that next generation, I think is going to be pretty amazing. You mentioned the comes with challenges. It obviously does. Hiring 20-year-old men and women have their own challenges. But I think we're starting to get to the right point of when people are coming on, how do you talk about our expectations of, right, I just said professional delivery relationships with the client, like that is our expectation. So if people are kind of not bought into that plan, it's probably not the place for them. But if they're willing to work hard and want to put a stamp on the mining industry, I think it's a great place to start out. Do you focus on recruitment in your marketing efforts then too? Is that part of your job? Yeah, we've moved so fast over the last year. And when I came on, recruitment was a secondary focus to marketing. I would say at this point, the brand, and this isn't my doing, but a collective doing, has attracted and created that kind of buzz with some of the younger guys in our industry. So I'm more focused now on how do I create a community and kind of a brand that will give back. This is kind of attraction and kind of take 
I think we've got a lot going for us in the recognition category for recruitment. So now I want it to be more about what is this relationship with our brand versus just focusing on recruitment. You know, in my early days of mining, we focused with Caterpillar on a sustainability effort called Common Ground, and it talked about how you do help the communities. So tell me about your efforts in that space. That wasn't something I necessarily had planned to ask, but I think it's important. In terms of the communities we work in, we have an emphasis on just making sure that if there's opportunities where we can volunteer either time or money to help those causes, we will. We know that we are, for several of these projects, we're living in the communities for years. So it's great to have a pulse on what's going on there. And we heavily rely on our project managers to kind of bring those opportunities forward. Otherwise, I mean, the value of our company, the heart for people and just focusing on people, we really look at opportunities where we have the opportunity to either educate or support the community or give back in different ways that kind of align with our vision and where we're going. A lot of those are obvious and others I'm excited to kind of uncover as we go along. Right. Tell me more about Keaton. We haven't talked about him, but as the founder of the company, I know probably so much of the cultural values, both internally and externally, are based on his beliefs and why he started the company in the first place. I haven't had a chance to meet him quite yet, but we have some shared connections. I'd love for you to share from your own perspective how he's built this culture that seems very different than others in the industry. One of the reasons that it was attractive for me to come work for him and his team is he's just a person with a big vision, and then there's nothing in his way, it seems like. He knows what he wants, and he's not afraid to go after it. For me personally, it was great to see what he wanted was to help people in the industry. And I was like, wow, this is a no-brainer to follow a leader like this. I think the other thing he really puts forward is transparency in the way he works. So when you ask internally and externally, externally... For those following our marketing, you might notice more transparency than other companies. Okay. I went to a conference with other B2B leaders, and there was a lot of hesitation about what you share. What can you share? What would maybe we do a negative impact if you were to share it? And we kind of have this open book policy, and that starts with him of like, I'm here to do this. There is no secrets. I'm here to admit when I've won and when I failed. So that's kind of generated that same internal culture of there's good times and bad times on this ride. And I think we all need to be honest about what those are. And then same with as we grow, right? There'll be growing pains and we can't address them unless we kind of all put it out there on the table. So that's been, I think, a big component of his success. Well, and as you're recruiting younger staff, that value of transparency seems to hold true. I did notice that in the materials you sent me about your brand, which were great, by the way, You talk about you want to change the industry, but you even go so far as to say externally, that's going to mean that you feel that we are contagious, competitive, genuine, passionate, confident, and candid, where internally you describe the culture as having words like vision, support, accountability, execution, and growth. And I don't often see an organization define internal values and external values, but what I loved about that is you can see how they work together, right? If you can create that culture internally, it's going to make you that much more competitive externally. So tell us a little bit about why you sort of went to that extent and how you rolled that out to your staff. The first set of values and kind of attributes that you listed really were describing how the brand expresses itself. So if you think about how do we show up on social media, what does our imagery look like? How is our copywriting coming to life? That's where we want that courage, kind of that boldness to come through. I think that helps too, if you were to bring any partners on who kind of say, I'm new to your brand or a new employee. We say, this is how we want to paint our picture out in the world. When you think about the field force in mining, they don't want fluffy marketing words. Like, to be honest, like 
I know enough to know that there are things that will work well for marketing and image creation. And then when you go internally, you just have to be real. Like what are Mm -hmm. we doing to create a culture and what are the expectations around what it means to be a part of Turner Mining Group. And that's where you get that accountability, the respect, the execution, those things that are critical to a team. And then I think are much more tangible. So I think that probably dates back to the brand consulting work that I've done that you get a group of, of people together who are working on the front line and working hard every day. They don't want to hear your marketing pitch. Right. They want to know what it means to them to be a part of the company. And I think that's kind of where that dichotomy came from. Well, it's something you said about just focusing on younger people and your recruitment strategy. You know, another thing Samantha's had the great pleasure of doing for Caterpillars, focusing on a technician recruitment campaign for the dealer network. But so many of those principles apply in any industry about helping people see the power of being a part of this industry, not only about the technical expertise you gain, but the opportunity for growth. And so it's so fun to talk to a marketer like you who has your fingers in so many places, right? It's not just about promoting the services of the company, but it's building the culture, it's developing people. And I think sometimes we get so focused on our external marketing that we forget about the focus on how important our internal role is as well. And it sounds like you get to play in that space a lot. I do. And I would say it's the harder role to play. You know, I think particularly my background, I've done external marketing my whole career. And so when it was how do you communicate the right things internally and in a way that people grab onto them? It's hard. Right. It's really hard. And when you think about the span of personalities that you're having these conversations with, whether it be a town hall that's virtual or written piece of communication, or you passed it three layers down to a project manager to kind of disperse through their crew, it's tough to get the right message out there. And I think the thing that I would say keeps me up at night in that regard is I really want all of our people to understand the intentions behind everything that we're doing. And I think that's the hardest thing to communicate in a way that is always positive, right? And I think that's where kind of that that transparency comes in. But I love that challenge of, and it will continue to be a challenge as we grow and we change is How do you really create this feeling of one team when you have teams all over the country and you have rightfully so teams that are looking for answers or maybe having doubts in their mind about what the future looks like and you need to get the right information out there to them. So it's a big challenge. Well, so many of our B2B customers these days are shifting their focus from traditional branding, which is my heart too. So I feel you there, girl. But moving into this customer experience place, right, and trying to map out all the touch points with their customers. And so often that conversation quickly leads to the internal communication strategy needed to make sure those touch points are successful. So in addition to communicating to your staff about culture and easing their fears in this crazy time, what do you offer them in the way of providing tools to help that service be that much stronger? One of the pieces of technology that we put in place earlier this year was what we call the employee portal, which is basically an intranet of sorts. I think we've all probably been a part of intranets that were less than ideal. So, and I'm not saying ours is perfect, but I know we kind of went in with a lens of this could be an incredible tool to scale. So if we thought about anything that we were going to use, it was going to be the ability to scale communication. And when you talk about Keaton, a lot of times scale kind of his vibe through these different tools. So we put the employee portal in place and it has been successful. I mean, I think the guys give me plenty of feedback on what's not working (laughs) and what is working, but the ability to have training listed on there, messages and announcements, pretty much anything they need to get going. We even have information on there. If you're a new haul truck driver that you can go on and see additional information, because I think a lot of people, when you talk about hiring green employees or young employees have so many questions and they're afraid to ask, right? I think that 
steps or time and across whatever role someone's stepping into. But we've really been focused on how do we put the right content on there to make it useful to them and not overload them with things they don't need to see. But that's been one of the tools. And then the other tool or kind of channel we've used has been like a town hall structure, which is something that we haven't done before. So we put out some communication around here's our WebEx link or webinar link. And we have the leadership team go through kind of a state of the business and kind of what's going on and have guys log on. And we do it late enough that our California crews can join and things like that. But it's just, I think to me, finding more frequent touch points to get that communication out there versus letting people wonder, like I mentioned before. So those are some of the newer things that we've tried. But then I would also say social media is huge for us, right? If there is still a, a topic that's also not sensitive externally, we leverage our social media channels. Let's talk about that. Tracy, you seem like somebody that serves as a bridge in your organization. I find that marketing over the past several years has really earned a seat at the table in terms of being part of the C-suite, really understanding the operations and the finance of the company, and then being able to translate those important messages to staff and customers. Talk a little bit about the role you play in the management of the company, as well as in the communication. And do you have a team that supports you? I mean, how do you do all this as one human? (laughs) Yeah, I do have a team that supports me with marketing, and I have a few partners that I use as well. I think sitting on the executive team, has been the right place for a marketer to be. Like you said, people seeing the value and having a CMO on the team is, I think there's a couple of things. One is perspective. My perspective is unlike anyone at the table, right? Sure. I, I haven't grown up in mining. I'm not key and I'm not our chief operating officer. I'm not the finance person. So I think just having kind of that perspective to say, how do we view this in a different lens? And then also, how is this going to be viewed is something that I can always bring to the table. For me, I think I couldn't do my job as successfully if I didn't have the insight into the company and where we were going. Things like service offerings and do we want to branch into new service offerings and how does that fold into the existing packages or how might that further a relationship without knowing that kind of stuff? I think I'd be kind of climbing uphill on that, but it's an amazing team to be a part of. And I think the leadership team really acknowledges the value of marketing when it comes to relationship and establishing a brand, which I've worked for other organizations where that's not as important, even outside of this industry. You may have already said what you think on this, but what has been most surprising to you as you've gotten into the industry and really learned the ins and outs of being on that leadership team, understanding your customers? What's kind of stood out? I think for me, it's just been learning kind of the ins and outs of mining and everything that goes into the difference between projects, locations, the success of a project. Like there's just so many things that happen on site, whether it be the influence of weather or the dynamic of the material that we're mining or the distance we're hauling or just all of these things that someone who literally had no background in mining, I have the most incredible respect for. So the thing I think makes me be continuously passionate is our people is they work incredibly hard. They are the heroes. And we talk about making them the heroes of our content. It's true. You know, I respect all of our back office staff and they are incredible and they do amazing things. But these are the people out there making it happen and making the company go. And to be on site to see that and see their dedication to that work is incredible. Well, I love that you talk about the application and, and the math that goes into mining, right? So there's this whole yeah. piece of your communication that's very technical in nature. But what I love about what you've done with your brand is really personalize it. On that people piece, talk a little bit about the importance of safety in your communication, both internally and externally. I know that's a very big focus for many heavy industry marketers, but even more in the mining industry. Safety for us is unsurprisingly one of our values, but we've really worked hard. And I would credit Craig Stevens, our safety director, 
for making it feel just kind of one symbiotic with the business, like that safety is not this new layer of, I have to then also think about safety. It's really ingrained in how our people are trained, how they're brought on and kind of their daily operations, which I'm sure is the case for many companies in mining. But I think he's done a really good job of integrating that, which makes it easy for me as a marketer to talk about safety is just part of the brand. In fact, it's a very big part of the brand. So that's something I think we haven't shied away from. We've hit it more heavy sometimes than others. We obviously talk about it very, very prominently with clients and we're having conversations about new work, but this idea that it just doesn't come second, it's not another thing, but it's ingrained in our business has made it easy for me to build it into the brand. Like any cultural value, you want to make sure that it's actionable and coming to life in the day-to-day, not just something you're talking about. Another one of your values, though, is innovation. And I know you said that's been a big one for you, even hearing you talk about being at the table for coming up with a new service idea. What does that look like in your day-to-day? For us, I think it's just been this idea of continuous improvement. So when you talk also about being a bridge to other teams and to the leadership team, there's so many areas that require improvement that I would say any leader in our company could own. So process improvement, communication improvement, reporting improvement, and data usage, things like that. There's I mean, we're three and a half years old and we've come so far. We have so far to go. There are so many things that require attention and I think always will. So I would say our mentality in that is we will always be innovating and changing. And especially on the back office side, if you're not excited about continuous change or if that makes you uncomfortable, you'd rather come in and settle in and then cruise like Turner Mm -hmm. Mining not the place for you because it changes so fast. And I think that's to our advantage is that we can move that quickly with innovation. That's totally speaking to my heart because I know as an advertiser, marketer myself, we are in a similar industry in the sense that if we're not evolving quarterly, we're behind. There's a proliferation of technologies. And I love that definition of innovation. What are some examples of that that you can share in your day to day where you've seen that belief in innovation change a system or a team or a structure that you have in place? One relevant one might be on the marketing side is we stood up HubSpot quite quickly after I came on. And in most organizations, I think there would be this hesitancy to prove out the concept, right? Of, okay, tell me how we're going to generate an ROI. Tell me how we're going to use this in every channel. And not that I didn't plan, but the leadership team, I think, was really open to one that hired someone who did have marketing experience. And I felt very confidently it would work. But also this idea that we have to change and try some things. And if this doesn't work, the risk of pulling back is far less than not trying it at all. So that was one. And now with uh, we hired a chief commercial officer in June. And so he's brought this entirely new sales component to it that has made us be like, okay, we have this entirely new capability and kind of way to workflow as a team. Now we have to change this all again, still leveraging that platform. So, and, you know, no one better than I, it was like, let's, let's do this type thing. Yeah. Integration of sales and marketing is a constant conversation that we're having. So sometimes bringing those teams together is even challenging because sales doesn't feel like marketing's doing their job and the same holds true vice versa. How are you facilitating those conversations right now as you have this platform that can do so much? Having worked in B2C, you just don't have that challenge until you get to B2B to say the sales team and the marketing team should be one team, right? There are finite responsibilities, but we really see it kind of as this this shared continuum of new business is the goal, right? Like new opportunities. So we've just worked together on kind of putting a workflow in place of 
if our goal is new business, how do I pump as much as I can to a certain point? And then really when it turns to the bidding side of things, I have no business. (laughs) And I will turn it over to them. I know enough to be dangerous to say, is is this lead qualified? But yeah, it's this idea that we have to be hand in hand. And I think that relationship between myself and our chief commercial officer is is really strong and was established from the beginning. So there wasn't this, okay, the sales team is established. Now we're going to hire a marketing leader. And they're like, oh, okay, great. They're just going to put the marketing fluff out there and we'll see what happens. It's really this kind of back and forth of how do we make the marketing work the hardest? And then how do they leverage marketing leads and success there and make sure we get over the finish line? Well, one of the challenges you shared with me on our initial phone call was that sometimes it can be hard to find the right customer within a given business. And I know so many of my B2B clients struggle with this idea of getting deeper inside an organization to really find all the decision makers, because you can come in on a project or you can come on a corporate scale. What does that look like as a contract mining company and how are you using marketing to help support that effort? Yeah, the marketing side of things has been very focused on, I would say, two different areas. One with brand awareness of let's reach anyone and everyone who may be associated with mining. This includes partners like engineers and exploration companies to say, we just need to be in the conversation and in the mix. So I do have some spend going towards an area that I might not see immediate return of how do I just make Turner Mining Group more prominent. And then my second category is really focused around that bridge to sales in terms of lead generation and how do we get in front of those decision makers. For us, we're really leveraging LinkedIn in a way to say, I want to target these particular people with this particular message. And I know that's not a new platform, but I think there's actually a lot of opportunity with LinkedIn that's kind of untapped. LinkedIn has a platform for advertising. I'd say lacks some sophistication currently. It has a ton of sophistication, but I think it can go even further. But to be able to have a conversation that's close to -to one-to-one to these people that you know have decision-making influence has been huge. So that's just one example of how we've done that. But the other one I would say is when we talk about the bridge between marketing and sales is then how do we truly take it to -to one-to-one? These people are of so much interest that we really want to turn that into a conversation. I think the sales team for us has been eager to take a crack at getting a hold of those people because it is hard. It's, I mean, there's people all over the country buried within organizations that how do you get to them otherwise? Sure. You know, Tracy, I so admire what you're doing. You're on the cutting edge of some of the things that we're doing as a company as it relates to personalization. And I'm totally geeking out with you on the automation front because that's definitely the space that we're in. I guess how much of your efforts to grow the business do you feel like are still based on tried and true relationship building, handshakes, sales materials and sales strategies versus the shift that you're talking about, which is more of this top of funnel digital marketing and finding the right people with the right eyeballs to get into your funnel and start those conversations? I think they're of equal importance. You might say, if nothing else, we need the handshakes, we need the boots on the ground, we need the relationships to be built. And then marketing is kind of an add-on. I think that's how a lot of people look at marketing in this particular industry. I think when you look at something like what just happened with COVID, you're thankful you have digital marketing, right? Like you can't be going to sites, you can't be doing handshakes. And obviously those introductions can be still made over email, but I think they work together so well that now I think people need to start thinking about marketing as not this kind of top of funnel fluff, but really can be a pretty hard hitter in opening the doors to those relationships. 
tell me a little bit about what your goals are over the next year or two. What are you personally passionate about? What metrics have you sent for yourself since it sounds like you're into the challenge? So what's (laughs) what's on the horizon? I've been focusing a lot in that kind of arena of lead generation right now. I feel like we have some momentum with our brand awareness right now. We're also looking at kind of how do we just continue to grow that image and keep it fresh. That's always a challenge, I think, for any brand is how do you not get stale and kind of get forgotten about. But I think in the lead generation category, there is a lot of opportunity when we talk about being a national service provider to think differently about how we're approaching these conversations, whether it be more of a one-to-one outreach driven by our sales team, or whether it be some sort of kind of intermediate communication for marketing that keeps us top of mind and that can get circulated through the company. So to me, it's just more like, how do we help companies understand what we can offer them? And then maybe from a brand awareness and story continuum aspect, how do we help our customers understand that this national service provider model really can be of value to them? Because it's not always obvious when you have a partner you've been working with for 10 years, things are good, prices are good, we're turnkey, or we don't need anything new. So that would also be a big thing of how do you change the customer's mind, which is not easy. Oh my gosh, yeah. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to samantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. Well, we are coming up on time and I want to respect your calendar here. I always like to ask my interviewees to offer a core truth from their world, something that they hold so dear through their years of experience that they would offer as a piece of advice to others. The one piece of advice I usually offer, I have a lot of students ask me this, is that you grow the most when you're the most unhappy. So if I think back through my career, which hasn't been, I don't want to say it's been crazy long, but the times where I've felt so frustrated or so challenged by the nature of the work or a client or coworkers is when I think I've grown the most and found this different perspective of why am I frustrated? Why am I unhappy? And kind of how can I burst past it? And I think the ability to move past it becomes this personal choice and this kind of personal discovery that I feel like has been so valuable to me. Oh, I could not agree with that more. I truly do. Because when you're in those spaces, you just have to look inside and figure out what your values and purpose are and sort of align to that. I love that. And then my last question then is what would be a question that you still have right now that you'd love me to pass along to another or have our listeners be thinking about? I go back to this idea of changing the minds of customers as we continue to grow and evolve. And if you end up having someone else who has a perspective of how do you fundamentally change an opinion or perspective of someone who really isn't even looking for change. That's a hard thing to accomplish. And I'd love to hear someone else's perspective on that. Well, I can tell you in the world of content marketing, sometimes for us, it's been simply introducing the topic, right? Before you're trying to change minds of just educating that there's even something to be thinking about. Sometimes it takes a long time before you can get people to make a change. So 
I feel your pain there, but that's definitely a question that we'll think about and maybe pass along to another. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been so awesome getting to know you. I will continue to follow Turner Mining Group because you guys are doing amazing things. And hopefully we'll stay in touch and have a lot of shared connections through the years. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks, Tracy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye. Well, friends, hopefully you found Tracy as fun to listen to as I found her to talk to. She's super engaging, wicked smart, and overall a warm leader working toward all the right things. I love how she spoke of vision, purpose, and innovation, and a desire to keep pace with change. I also love how she talked about her partnership with Caterpillar. At the end of the day, all of us are still in the relationship business. It's how work gets done, even as we're driving marketing to enable those relationships to be that much stronger. If you haven't already, I encourage you to check out Turner Mining Group at turnermining.com. They have a podcast as well with company founder Keaton Turner. It's called Turner Mining Live, and they've got some great interviews with stories from the field. You can also find them on LinkedIn simply by searching Turner Mining Group. We'll link to these profiles on our website at marketingsweats.com, or you can find us at samantle.com where we promote the podcast and tell a little more about each interviewee. Thanks again for tuning in this season. On our next episode, I'll be talking to my dear friend and colleague, Dan Eisens, content guru and customer experience extraordinaire. As I always do with Dan, I'll be asking him to teach me his ways. You'll learn a lot in this interview that you can use on the job. Tune in, subscribe, and give me a review. I appreciate all of them. Talk soon, marketers. 